This episode brought to you by Busy Beaver Button Company, who asked us to play this song as their ad. One, two, three, four. For 44 years, the mad scientist community has trusted Tesla's basement for the finest in mad science, quasi-science, pseudoscience, and even, yes, science. But as science tells us, everything must end, and right now, Tesla's basement is going out of business! From the Big Bang to the heat death of the universe, everything must go! Everything is X percent off, where X is equal to a greater than 50! So, for savings... <laughs> Finest single catch, small batch, red mercury... Everything must blow! X-rays, Q-rays, N-rays, all your rays, 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 rays. We're selling rays for four more days. Tesla's basement is not affiliated with Rays Rays, formerly the Beam Barn. From moon boots to rune boots, you can't walk away from these deals. We've got orgone boxes, orgone accumulators, orgone fans, orgone robes, and for dad, orgone slippers. And if you're a federally certified orgone scientist, we have a full line of orgone research accredited equipment. Oil. Candles. Robes. Edible powders. Unguents. Stain-resistant linens. Incense. Lubricants. Waterbeds. Adapters. Leather persuaders. Sound insulation paneling. Mirrors. Chimes. Anti-inflammatory cream. Inflammatory cream. Get them quick before they're all or go. We've got engines that run on water, engines that run on oxygen, and engines that don't run on anything at all. You're not going anywhere. (laughs) Rechargeable zero-point batteries, two for the price of one. Divide by zero for unending savings. We dare you. (laughs) Eye protectors, 50% off. Eye damagers, full price. And check our clearance bin for scalar projectors, dorsal inverters, shrink-slash-grow belts, Keeley engines, static transformers, Faraday cages, diathermy machines, ether farms, aura readers, cloud seeders, backyard harp arrays, front yard harp arrays, rooftop harp arrays, not to be used on roofs, battleship degaussers, spiricoms, EVP, DVD, and Blu-ray, extra heavy water, old Jewish wine cabinets. All purchases are non-returnable. Some items may be electrically charged, radioactive, or haunted. So come on down to Tesla's basement going out of business sale. The end is <laughs> Tesla's basement. Pick up a critical mass for a subcritical price. Hey, everybody! Oh. Hello! Hi! <laughs> wow, <laughs> Flora! I didn't, I didn't know where you were going there. Who did? I'm David Flora. <laughs> I'm Dave Stecco. I uh, hope everybody's doing well. We've got a good show. We do. Now, uh, Dave got me on Keen... the ethereal creeper kick, and now I want to <laughs> yeah. talk like this. <laughs> yeah, once you start, you can't stop. Now, uh, sharp-eared listeners, did you hear an extra voice in that intro? Do you, do you, 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 are you betting? You feel like you can uh, figure out what we got going on here? <laughs> pe- I don't pe- know. People that are illiterate. Can't read the title. <laughs> <laughs> I always forget that they can read the title. Every, Damn it. Every, Stupid literacy. Oh. What about our blind listeners? Yeah. Who's into podcasts more? That's right. 
They should. I mean, I don't know what how mm-hmm. they know they're what they're picking, but <laughs> Oh Dave. Jesus. I just tried to reach out to a group of people and you were like, slam that fing door. <laughs> it's our pleasure to welcome back author, game designer, podcaster, and joy enthusiast Kenneth Height to the podcast. <laughs> joy enthusiast. Who's not a joy enthusiast? What what whose soul is so dead that they are not a joy enthusiast? Aren't we all joy enthusiasts <laughs> isn't millions our out there. <laughs> purpose in life to find the joy that we may enthusiast it <laughs> wow you know what we had an episode plan but i would much rather hear yeah. you talk about this let's, let's talk about, about joy. Our bliss. that's right yes bait yeah. and switch the reverend ken height <laughs> friends <laughs> uh ken how are you i am good i am i am uh enthusiastic even <laughs> joyful some might say wow yeah i'm good wow that's that is a rare product to be sold in these days. Yes, well, that's why I have it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been hoarding it all this time. Sucks to be you, losers. <laughs> An entire life of people going, Ken, why so glum? You'll see. Oh, wait. <laughs> Just wait. It'll come a day. A day will come. That's right. But not soon. Cornered the market. Oh no. On optimism and 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 enjoy. Well played, Ken. Yes. Well played. Yes. Yes. Now they will all truckle <laughs> to me. <laughs> to did, me did you, just, did, did you just short mankind yep. <laughs> he's short sold them and i am reaping the benefits <laughs> nice the blind are welcome though well yeah, yeah all are welcome i am uh working on the fall of delta green right now for Belgrain press and then i will be working on a uh a fantasy game i'll be editing that and then i will be doing a write-up of 1600s london uh, for Lamentations of the Flame Princess. So lots of good stuff. That is awesome. Yes. I mean, I will say it's kind of a dick move to be plotting the fall of Delta Green when you spent so much time getting hyped for the, the rise of Delta Green. That's how you got to do it, though. You got to have an ending. Otherwise, you're lost. Just yeah, wandering over the damn Delta island. Green. Yeah. wonder what kind of market there is for the fall of Delta Burke. <laughs> I'm, I might go with that. I think one. it's a specialized market. I think it's a specialty market, <laughs> yeah. but you could probably... Yeah. Can you spend a while uh, writing... Uh, designing women, <laughs> designing women game. Modules. I, 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 I did design women, but I think that this may not be <laughs> what we're talking about today. Yeah, it kind of is. We're kind of talking weird science. Yeah, we are. We are. We are. The, the sugar baker proxy, but not the Alrona grown from a mandrake root. N- not that. No, 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 though. That would be fun. Um, I've got an hour on the Alrona. It's in case, you know, <laughs> just in your pocket. That's right. Just here, just in my hip pocket, ready to go. Always ready, Ken. Always ready. The last time we talked, you mentioned Wilhelm Reich uh, and Orgone Energy. So we thought it would be, you know, fun to go more in depth on that. Maybe some other weird science that falls under the category of pathological science. This is something that uh, I found when Dave and I were like, hey, what what should we talk uh, talk about in, uh, in a broad umbrella with this? And this uh, this came up as as an actual uh, thing I've never heard of it before. Pathological science. It's a term that was coined by chemist Irving Langmuir in 1953 to describe research on subjects that are a bit outside the norm, uh, farther than fringe science, bordering on pseudoscience. That's that's my breakdown of it. But 
Yeah, and and hey, uh, spoilers. Some of this sh- makes a run for and successfully crosses that border. That's true. <laughs> uh, the research tends to get off track of the scientific process and winds up in subjective town where scientists start relying on wishful thinking, ad hoc excuses, and threshold interactions to support uh, results they want. So uh, while we, we probably could bash on Mr. Reich for, for a good solid hour, I, I figured we, you know, would just bash on him for like 10, 15 minutes or so. Well, maybe half an hour, but like, okay, yeah, all right. We, we have some other stuff to sprinkle in, I think, to turn our, our gaze upon. But I, I think we should get to a few of these like orgone energy, cold fusion, in rays, red mercury, zero point energy, whatever else we think about. Ken, do you, do you just love this stuff? Oh, yeah, it's all good. I mean, it's part of the big country that I have named Elliptony, where you can do elves one day and UFOs the next day and red mercury the third day. And it turns out they're all the same damn thing. (laughs) Yeah. You can wind up blaming them all on each other. It's great fun. (laughs) Uh, Just a, just a a big crash of, of the, of, of mentation. (laughs) is what it is. (laughs) Where, uh, where do you guys want to start? What should we start with? Should we start light? Should Uh, we start hot? What do you think? Let's start with, let's just do it down the list. Okay. I've got a list. Ken doesn't have the list. I don't have the list. Yeah, well. Nothing. And you'll you'll never get the list, Ken. I have no notes. I have nothing. Ken Height needs no notes. The notes he knows are within himself. Just a simple, beautiful child. That's me. Ken Ken is La Renard, relying only on his wits to protect him. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, let's start with Red Mercury. I'm hunted for my brush. I'm sorry. What? (laughs) Red Mercury, Dave. What it, uh, you want to tell us a little bit about? Uh, I would love to. Ro- Rohar Mercur- Mercurial. <laughs> Red Mercury is a supposed ex- highly explosive substance possessing massive destructive power. Uh, it's floated in conspiracy circles as a compound originating in Russia or the USSR, more accurately, uh, which can be used as a two kiloton yield explosive fusion device. Uh, while there no such substance actually exists, it has been compared to the non-explosive mercuric sulfide, uh, which is just commonly known as cinnabar, and crystalline mercury iodide. Some people think it could be a balotechnic substance or a highly reactive powder of mercury antimony oxide. There we go. Uh, the yeah, the, the long and short of it is is that it is this mythically potent uh, explosive compound that the Russians cooked up that we need to very thoroughly be on guard for at all times. Vigilant. And also, very vigilant. So it's, it's 1973 also. Don't forget that. You love your family. <laughs> That's why nascent iodine is the only thing that can protect you and your loved ones. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's the long and short of it. And it, red mercury shows up from time to time. I think for the most part, it's a little played out now. Oh, no, I, that is not true. I, that is a lie. Oh, that is a filthy lie. God. I can't believe <laughs> that you said that. Red mercury well, the, is a beautiful, it, it will always come back. Like Beauty and the Beast, uh, it's timeless. The second half of that sentence was, but everything old is new again. There you go. Well done. And nice I feel save. like it is, it is poised for a resurgence. It's resurged, buddy. It's resurged. Red mercury shows up wherever beautiful idiot terrorists want nukes <laughs> and it was showing up in like chechnya like chechnya it was showing up in sub-saharan africa in the 1990s it was showing up in romania right after the fall of the wall it was showing up uh in south america and now 
It has most recently shown up in the markets of Syria. There is a thriving market in red mercury. In uh, oh. if, if you want to show up and be the guy who sells fake nuclear material to ISIS, this is your day. And they have they have a system by which if you hold garlic in your hand, the red mercury crawls away from it. But if you hold gold in your hand, the red mercury crawls toward it. So they've taken it and added even more magic. The Egyptian red mercuriologists, in fact, have uh, some of them have said that genies are involved in its production and that uh, the jinn have made uh, the red mercuries. Others, of course, know that red mercury came out of the American Singer sewing machines <laughs> that were um, uh, supplied to the Soviet Union during the American occupation and that the Soviet nuclear engineers smuggled the red mercury out of the labs in Singer sewing machines. And so Singer sewing machines, honest to God, in Saudi Arabia were going for hundreds and thousands of dollars because, you know, it's, it's like the golden ticket, except it's red mercury. If you find the Singer sewing machine that has the red mercury hidden in it, then you can build your own nuke and get your own caliphate. And this is all that's the last brilliant. couple of years. This is uh, the New York Times of all people, I think, did sourced reporting on this. So I, got a a real deal. I got a crimson ticket. I got a crimson ticket. I'll tell you what. I feel like the the most assured business to be in is the people who make steel briefcases with foam <laughs> on the inside. Yeah. Because there's nothing that sells the legitimacy of whatever it is you're peddling, like opening it and having the little cutout so you pull whatever item is out of it. Yep, that's the perfectly foam. That's the smart play, right? It's like uh, selling blue jeans to the gold miners. <laughs> yeah. You want to sell those exactly. uh, those briefcases to all the smugglers and con men. Man. I think yeah. my, I think my mom has an old singer sewing machine. <laughs> Your mom's an old singer. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, it's true. <laughs> no, in, in uh, South Africa, there was a, a bunch of, uh, of red mercury shenanigans going down, and a bunch of people, I think, wound up getting killed, um, uh, chopped up with a machete uh, for either for selling it or for uh, not buying it right or something. But there was a, a lot of murders that got sort of covered up by the South African secret police, and then South Africa fell. So that was the end of that story, I guess. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, uh, one one theory is that the CIA and the and the KGB came up with red mercury as a um, uh, sort of a, a flypiper for idiot terrorists, so that they could trail rumors about this stuff, and then people would show up and say, "Oh, I want to buy me some of that," and they'd be like, "There you go, you go chase that, not the real terrifyingly badly guarded plutonium that we have lying around." Wow. That's that's probably uh, ascribes too much imagination to both the CIA and the KGB. But <laughs> I so, prefer to think that it's mankind's innate ability to make up nonsense that did it. Where's the middle ground? <laughs> <laughs> there was just the KGB. That's the middle ground. <laughs> now uh, I love that. The, the last thing, the last thing you mentioned there, the um, mercury an antimony oxide. Yep, that is a good. That is an actual substance, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's not explosive though right no no uh, it's just um uh it, it's deadly poisonous right um, super toxic but what what you do if you're trying to sell pretend red mercury is you get like wastewater from a nuclear power plant or you get uh low-level medical nuclear waste or something else that you mix up with mercury antimony oxide or in some cases with cochineal which is insect shells or just with red nail polish that's been used in red mercury cases before uh, so that it will trick a uh, trip a Geiger counter mm -hmm. and make people think, oh, it's it's radioactive. Oh, it's very special. Hmm. But the 
the sort of the thesis is that the mercury antimony oxide can be constructed in an isomer that becomes a lattice. And within the lattice, it holds this incredible amount of, uh, of, of proto uh, fusion energy. <laughs> and that that's, that's what's going on is that it's this, it's not so much that the, it's the chemical composition, it's the physical composition of the atoms that uh, create this lattice and that it was done in an experimental Soviet reactor. Right. And that that's why the red mercury is so awesome. And it's in it, the red mercury that they're seeking that we have yet to find is in a, a powder form, right? That usually, is, but it can also be in a liquid form depending. I mean, the powder is, is one, I mean, since it doesn't exist, you, as long as you've got the line of powder, you know, right. it's, it's in a butter. It's yeah. in the shape of a butter. And it takes a uh, compression to, to set it off. Right. right? Some, yeah. Some yeah. kind of like high compression mm-hmm. pressure. Because again, you want it to be very hard to test. <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't, yeah. You don't want anyone to be able to like pull like the classic Coke dealer. They can't just dip a pinky in right. and taste it and be like, right. it's, it's pure. Good. It's, that's good. That's red mercury. <laughs> What'd you cut this with? Uh, more red mercury. That's fair. God, although. Cochineal. I cut it with insect the- parts. <laughs> If you were the guy selling it, like this would be my ultimate scam is that you could rig a guy with explosives unbeknownst to him so that he did dip a pinky in it, taste it, and then explode. That's sort of, that's, 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 I think that's if, if Mossad gets into selling red mercury to people. That's what they'll do. That's their jam. Boom. Well, there you go. Maybe, maybe he, maybe this is not for you. Maybe it's too red. Maybe it's too mercurial. No, no, give it to us. We'll pay everything. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. This seems like more of a people's popular front for the liberation of Gaza kind of a red mercury. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, no, you did not. And then you walk away. And then you walk away. Well, that's cool. I, I like that. Yeah, red, it, it's, red it's great stuff because it, it's, uh, it takes good old alchemy and it brings it into the modern era. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, this is what alchemists used to do. They'd go around and have their mysterious red powder that would uh, turn lead into gold and give you amazing abilities as a can, as the can, ruler can, of your can, pathetic can, little country. Ken, I'm going to have to ask you to pump the brakes there, Care. We're not really going to drop the A word in this episode. Oh, I'm it's sorry. Gonna, you're picking the pocket of a future recording. Oh, goodness. Ken. I would have just yeah. thought that you would have already done an alchemy episode. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Laura yeah. Wants, to, yeah. wants to know what we're talking about. I was like, well, just make it up. Bring, he was all like, no. Bring Ken on. <laughs> yeah. I need time, time to organize right my thoughts. Organize my thoughts. Oh. Um, nice segue right. there, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I'm going to get lost on the seg, though, and, uh, and head towards cold fusion now. What? Oh. <laughs> you have zigged oh. when others zagged. That's right. I've zapped when others have zagged. then zagged. <laughs> Zip, zap, zorp. Zorp. A zorp gun. <laughs> Cold fusion is uh, something that um, has been in the, I don't know, in the popular culture for a while. So this is the claim of nuclear reactions at relatively low temperatures rather than at millions Almost of degrees. Almost room temperatures. Mm-hmm. The uh, term was popularized with the work of Pons and Flashman, which gained tremendous publicity in 1989, but was irreproducible. Like you do. It would be a way to bring cheap energy to the world. Uh, that's that's the long and short of that. Uh, conspiracies abound that the process is achievable, but that there is a huge suppression to cover it up because 
The globalists. Work is ongoing to discover a type of fusion that doesn't take the heart of a star to work, but it's not what we would call cold fusion. At least they don't want you to think that because they don't want to be ridiculed. Because uh, that uh, brand has been damaged. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah it's, it's burned. Although, I mean, just regular old fusion would be, you know, pretty nice, right? And there was a, there was a, a sort of a pre-echo of the cold fusion, the Huamul reactor project that Perón's Argentina was supposed to be building. They, right. they uh, had a, uh, a I, I suspect some Nazis because that's what they had a lot of. And they <laughs> were building a, a fusion reactor, a fusor in, uh, in Huamul Island in Argentina. And it was one of those deals where it's like, yes, uh, Juan Perón, just give us more money and we'll have your fusion reactor any old day. Like Look at me. these data. They're so promising. <laughs> And then, you know, they had a big dedication ceremony and sound of running feet. <laughs> and that this happens, you know, on and on. And also Philo Farnsworth, the guy who invented TV, uh, came up with a Fusor, a, a design for a fusion engine. But nothing ever came of that. And there's a whole bunch of weird nonsense about Philo Farnsworth and whether or not he was uh, uh, simply robbed of his invention by those bastards at CBS or whether, <laughs> in fact, um, uh, he had built all manner of magical, wonderful things that, you know, just never saw the light of day. Thanks to Whoa. one thing and another. So it's like Tesla 2.0. I yeah. was just, I was just going to say with, they're with just, an even cooler name, frankly. Yeah. Philo Farnsworth is a great name. Yeah. And, and I think he did. I think he did get his invention stolen, but I don't think that makes him. I mean, I don't even know if Tesla was as Tesla as we'd like to think right. he is. I mean, Tesla was, was really Tesla, but the Tesla part is also pretty freaking Tesla, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I hear what you're saying, Ken. Yeah. What? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, you know, when you simultaneously invent the AC power converter and um, uh, believe pigeons are talking to you, there's there's a lot yeah. of uh, middle ground there to cover. Yeah, a l- little gray area. Can't there. Yep. touch hair. No. <laughs> Spheres! Ah, get them away! Spheres! <laughs> but I'll say this. If you've lived your life into such a way that when uh, you are portrayed in a movie, they pick David Bowie. Yeah. You did something right. Yeah, if David Bowie <laughs> plays you in the movie, then you are on in fuego, my friend. <laughs> yeah, you are You are on point. Now, uh, isn't this the subject of the, uh, the 1990s documentary with Val Kilmer and Elizabeth Shue? Uh, the Saint, the right. documentary. That's correct. Known as The Saint, the, Saint? the finally uh, <laughs> D. Classified. Declassified. 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 Declassified documentary, which is also where I got my German accent. Isn't that what he was, uh, what he ultimately was trying to protect her so she could uh, bring to the world or something like that? Elizabeth Shue had figured it out, but it was like in a jigsaw puzzle of post it notes, like sciences. Like real science. uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and then and then it gets released in This is not Russia. to be confused with Rachel Weiss inventing a different kind of fusion in chain reaction mm. and being protected Whoa. or not by Keanu Reeves. Oh man. Entirely, I never saw that movie. You didn't they I blew I up the either. south side of Chicago in it. It was awesome. Oh man. Keanu runs really, away from I a like, nuclear weapon on a motorcycle. I loved Rachel Weiss. <laughs> not a weapon. That's a like hell a, of a hell like of a, a nuclear running explosion. on a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he, he outruns a, a nuclear blast on a motorcycle. Also, he walks um, uh, uh, from the Museum of Science and Industry into the Smithsonian in one step. It's very cool. Wow. Yeah. So th- there's there's an area jump? in my neighborhood that Keanu's butt touched that uh, for like a year, Sheila would walk by and genuflect. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Sheila. Yeah. Love to you. 
So, <laughs> Ken, do you know if if, if there's any uh, if there is much modern day uh, stirrings of of this stuff? I say modern day. I mean, it wasn't that it long was the, ago. It was like they, late '80s, early yeah. '90s that Pons and Fleischman <laughs> were embarrassing Utah, not for the first or last time. <laughs> no, well, and the uh, the government did a reexamination in 2004 just to make a hundred percent sure that there was nothing there and mission accomplished. Yeah. There yep. was nothing there. Yeah. Well, it's the kind of thing that if, you know, you'd, you'd dropped to zero and it turns out you could have had room temperature fusion, you'd look like a dummy. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. We had to have it the whole time. Oh man, that, that, that's my bad. We shouldn't have done that. No, I mean, I don't think that cold fusion quark, I think it's like you say that people who've got various uh, experimental or unconventional fusions are trying to shy away from the name cold fusion. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm not a physicist, but my understanding is for fusion, you pretty much need a lot of heat and a lot of pressure and mm-hmm. you can't have it without those things. But again, yeah, not a physicist. I'm a humanities ter- uh, nerd, other kind, <laughs> no STEM for me. Humanist is, and, and this is just, like I said, it, it's just a way to give energy to everybody. Is that what they're ultimately, well, I mean, potentially the notion being that if you could have fusion power, then you've got uh, super cheap energy with no waste products mm. because its waste product is helium. And who doesn't love helium, right? Everyone loves helium. So, yeah, I mean, like again, helium a lot of that would de- depend on what the startup, you know, materials are, right? The Kickstarter. Yeah. <laughs> That's always the problem. You got to make how it much, that first week. How much you get on the Kickstarter. Yeah. But if the, if the initial conditions, the, um, for the reaction are super expensive, then it won't be, you know, too cheap to meter like they used to say about fission power. But, you know, anything that makes more electrical power is good, right? Yeah. Especially if it's not uh, filthy, evil, dirty, bad things. Right. And if, and if the byproduct can make us balloons. Right. Or Zeppelins even better. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Dave. Yeah. That's cold yeah. fusion. Have you, have you, have you, have your, <laughs> have your sources turned up any cold fusion, Dave? You're, you're, no. You're the word on the street. I've been hitting this red mercury beat, not so much the cold fusion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I asked a couple of people here in Iowa City. And uh, nope, no, no cold fusion yeah. here in Iowa. There's City cold and confusion, but not the both. Yeah, there's confusion, but and not just cold, cold fusion. What else we got, Dave? Ooh, how, here's another fun, fun fact of energy times. How about zero point energy, which is the energy of a substance at absolute zero, uh, which is, uh, which is to say, what energy cannot be uh, removed through cooling. Or how about a a vacuum that is not really empty? Yeah, so to lay this out for you, uh, take a vacuum, and that is supposed to be you you remove everything from a vacuum. It's it's empty space. There's nothing in it. Well, that's not really true, because even if there are no particles, there are still fields in there. Let's say electromagnetic field would be, you know, in there. It would it would be interacting. Or the fields of gold that Sting told us about. <laughs> fields of clover, Flora. Tell me about the fields of clover. The, um, the vacuum energy. You're in Elysium, uh, and you're not in a vacuum. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never get through it. Keep trying, Flora, because it's fun. Uh, a term for this um, uh, is also vacuum energy, which is simply the energy that fields have when they are in the vacuum state. Or, or when there are no particles in there. So there is still energy that is to be found even in a vacuum. It's, it's postulated that this is the energy that causes the speed of light to have a limit by creating quote-unquote friction in the electromagnetic world. To achieve this state, 
if you cool a substance to absolute zero, nothing's moving. So you're not supposed to have energy from that. Yet there is still just the tiniest measurable bit of energy that that they find, right? I mean, that's the theory, right? That's I mean, it theory. sounds like the Luminiverse ether coming back again to <laughs> right. me, but that's all I know. Right? That's exactly it. It is. It does feel a little bit like the ether because it, it is also something that they based uh, uh, Einstein's cosmological constant, which Einstein himself ripped back out of his equations, but then it sn- like, and, and stayed that way for well over 70 years. Uh, and then in the 90s, it kind of snuck back in the side door under a couple of different names. It's pork. <laughs> <laughs> the, the belief being that when you, when you cool something to absolute, absolute zero, owing to the uncertainty principle, there is never a zero point of motion in because a particle. Because you can't measure it. Mm. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm. And, and the way that I kind of, and, and it, there's, there's a couple of different directions people take this. Um, one of them being that all particles are the result of, of, of upswells in this, this baseline zero point energy. And that's where we see them. That's what we see almost as though they are the crests of waves of a large ocean that we are not really aware right. the of. The particles are basically energy in motion. Right. That everything is light, fundamentally. So is my personal training program, <laughs> Energy in Motion with David Floyd. <laughs> Nice. Available and on so VHS. That's why you have uh, <laughs> in uh, CD-ROM. Yeah, only, only on VHS. <laughs> right. This looks a lot like Jane Fonda with Flora's head on it. <laughs> it's actually a decent Photoshop job. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Flora. Yeah, Flora. <laughs> Never looked better. Buns of steel. That's right. <laughs> Stay tuned for Barbaflora coming. <laughs> <laughs> so does our Kickstarter funds. <laughs> Bosons of steel. So any day now, just baiting on that Kickstarter. Uh, so even when they say like the vacuum energy, uh, while there are no particles, there is a wave particle duality. So they would say that the waves are the ones that are contributing to this field and that particles in any given moment can arise and then disassociate back into that field. Um, and so that they say you know, like that particles are constantly uh, popping into existence and then popping back out again as they as they make that transition. Right. Uh, and so this zero point energy is sort of that that exact frothy limiter. Right. Do you, there. When you say particles, do you mean electrons or something different? Particles. Uh, any any kind you, of particle you pick, man. Yeah. OK. Bosons. Just, just uh, clarifying. Mm, sweet, sweet fermions. I mean, this is this is akin to that uh, steady state creation that used to be the big deal. Remember back when there right. was uh, the the two versions of creation? We had the Big Bang and we had the steady state. Mm. The Big Bang was that there was a single creative moment when bammo, everything happened. And then steady state was sort of just every so often a little hydrogen atom gets burped out from somewhere and then you you got more creation going on. <laughs> and I, I forget, I think that was Fred Hoyle came up with that one. But uh the card guy. But this sounds, exactly. He was done coming up with the rules for Euchre, and he said, what next? I'm going to f*** with physics. <laughs> Keep, watch the queen, yeah, guys. Watch the queen. Nah, nah, Keep nah, your eye on the lady. lady now. Oh, lady look gets at that. I'm sorry. You found the muon. Um, so the, uh, so that, I think that this is sort of similar to that notion, and then I'll bet, though I know nothing, I will bet that the alleged dark energy flows into this nonsense. I, you know what? You know, I completely agree a, with our you. equations. Don't mat don't work. So let's make up pretend energy. We can't find same deal with dark matter. There's none of that nonsense. Yep. That's all as a thought or B 
bees or something. <laughs> I think if you look into it's it, bees. you'll discover. So uh, I, I think that I'll bet that Dark Energy meets up with this back behind the, you know, back behind the boathouse at Quantum <laughs> Physics Summer Camp. <laughs> Dirty. Yeah. Now here's here's a here's a fun physical fact. I know a lot of this gets like real, like well, mathematically this and that. There is an uh, an actual physical uh, proof of this zero point energy. In that, I'd like to see it. Um, <laughs> uh, liquid helium does not freeze uh, at any temperature. It does not right. become a solid owing to its zero point energy. Is that what it's owing? Yep. yep. That's what I'm. That's what I'm selling. You buying it? <laughs> No. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a hmm. that is a that is a scientific fact. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So so tritium freezes, but not liquid helium. Not liquid helium. Yeah, it doesn't sound right. And there, well, there's a little the, the asterisk there being that under atmospheric pressure, I guess that would be part yeah, of the right the ideal gas law that you have mm-hmm. to account for. But unless you're Roger which, Goodell. Which for the with the kids at home, that's p uh, pv is equal to n sub rt. There you go. There you Take go. Run with it. Don't say we never taught you anything. Sub arc t. Right. I think I think this has gotten us away from secret Nazi experiments in anti gravity somehow. Yeah, way too far. <laughs> way too far. Uh, we so, have been yeah, talking anyway. actual science almost for the better part Did- of ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, sweet Ken, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so so the so the whole uh, deal about this is. Can we access this 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 the uh, zero pool of energy? energy. Yeah, right. this pool of energy that is it is there, but it seems to be uh, uh, almost limited to our to our explorations. But if we could, then it would theoretically be infinite because it substrates everything. Exactly. Right. It, yeah. It it would be like tapping into the ocean itself, like right. you're yeah. in the ocean of all the universe. Yeah. So. Uh, Probably worth looking into, but um, despite what a few people have claimed, I don't think anyone has done it. A syndrome did a pretty good job of it in the Incredibles, but <laughs> well, he was a genius, though. He was. He yes. really was. Yeah, uh, Nick Cook has a as as a book called "The Quest for Zero Point," which is all about your Nazis and their quest for zero point, uh, and then the U.S. government sneaking all the Nazis and their zero point experiments off to America and hiding him. So, if you are looking for the sort of print the uh, the outer bow wave of plausibility on this. Uh, Nick Cook's book is is pretty good. Um, he, That's the only thing I'm interested in. Yes, bow wave. He was a, he was an aeronautical researcher for Jane's before uh, he decided there was more money in writing nonsense books about Nazis. But what that means is that the <laughs> the candy shell around it is is really good and and uh, verisimilitudinous. <laughs> so I, I recommend that. Um, basically, his thesis is that certain interpretations of quantum mechanics that came out of Nazi Germany were similar to alchemy. Ah, sick burn on you, Dave. Um, suck it, Flora. Suck it. Suck it. Suck it. It's happening. Suck it. It's happening. And I'm that, forced to suck it then. And that these experiments <laughs> were carried out um, uh, in a cavern in Silesia. Uh, building that is the, a made-up place. There's no such thing as a cavern. Yeah, is the cavern of Silesia just outside of Tirislein? <laughs> Maybe. Did they Minus clear Tirith. the trolls out first? Yeah. What of the kobolds? They hold kingdom there. <laughs> yes. No, it's um, uh, it's called Dreiza. It's a. It was a, actually a, a fallout shelter, or not a fallout shelter, but a, a war fighting uh, command center. If they thought that they were going to have to pull back into the Carpathian Mountains to carry on resistance. 
but being Nazis, they half-assed the whole thing and it never got finished. But the bell, the Nazi bell, die Glocke, was <laughs> yeah, down in there Glocken. making the zero-point energy. Surely we've done the Nazi bell on this show. No, we, we haven't. We have touched, I'm, but yeah, but barely. Yeah, I'm touching it again. I'm touching <laughs> it, making it ring. Um, again, lots of stuff we could talk about about the bell. Uh, but uh, the notion being that the bell was a fundamentally a chamber for isolating the zero point energy and, and making it tap for it. And that that's what they were using to power their UFOs and blah, 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 and blah, that, blah. And that would send them back in time. Could do. Could do. It's a zero point energy, man. Yeah, can do anything. Anything's possible. <laughs> There's a little mirror on top of the bell that you can look back in time. It's pretty cool. <laughs> um, I guess you couldn't look forward in time or else you'd say, well, f- this I'm leaving because <laughs> we're all going to be taken over by Russians. Oh, 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 oh. But the, uh, but the notion being that the, that the zero point energy research that was done, uh, by the Nazis got zoinked up and taken into Kirtland air force base, which is where, uh, a big part of the Roswell, uh, cover up was mounted from and lots ironically, perhaps of high energy, uh, weapons research is done, including hmm. SDI research. So there you go. <laughs> That's your secret story of zero point energy as told to slash made up by Nick cook. <laughs> and I enjoy uh-huh. it because it's, it's got everything a little bit. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah. I, I'm really it, into that. Is yeah. there a love story yeah. in there? Could be. I don't know how <laughs> don't we've know. gotten so far without doing like Locken. I don't know how you've, I don't know. I don't know either. Every time I come on here, the, the, the world of the paranormal is endless. Elliptony that's, encompasses all things. We're counting on it. Yes. <laughs> that's the goal. Not going to do episode 200 and say, well, that was it. Thanks. Uh, well, what did we get? All we the got dumb comp- things were, were finished. We got like a review or a comment like two years ago that was like, oh, oh these yeah. guys are, these guys, it's painfully obvious that they've run out of subjects. <laughs> we're like, oh, oh man. We're like, oh. you so, you sad son of a bitch. <laughs> plenty of things are painfully obvious, but that is not one of them. Black eyed kids <laughs> yeah. and shadow people. That's yep. it. That's it. Thank Done. you. Good night. Evil clowns. <laughs> that's it. That's our, oh, yeah, we, we yeah. might, we might do evil clowns. That's our, day. the tempest. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to tell you, Flora, that, that we bury our, our staff. Mm-hmm. Ken's wife, Sheila, physically jacked me up against a refrigerator and asked me why we hadn't done evil clowns yet. Oh, I'm sorry. By physically, I meant uh, emotionally. Yeah, that's that's what she says, too. <laughs> if the cops are asking. Right. If if Ken has been, uh, you know, not listening, <laughs> um, <laughs> walks a, into an emotional door. <laughs> had a... Uh, Fan of the podcast, Ryan Friday. You remember uh, us reading stuff oh, yeah. from him. He he was in town um, one day not too long ago, and we got a beer together. And he was talking to me about evil clowns. Said said there's a you know there's more to it than just seeing them and thinking that it's it's uh, promotion for the movie it <laughs> remake. <laughs> he's he's like yeah, there's a lot of stuff. So that is definitely uh, uh, on the list. Hot topic. Hot topic. All right, uh, let us move on. Yeah. All right. How about how about this? Now, this is something that I had never, Ninviar Venvernevri, heard of before this episode. Uh, N rays, which uh, apparently uh, Rene Prosper Blondlot uh, claimed to have discovered a new type of radiation, which he called N rays, which he said exhibited impossible properties and yet were are admitted by all substances except for green wood. And certain treated metals. 
However, during an attempt to reproduce the results that showed his N rays, Robert Wood of Johns Hopkins University ever heard of it? <laughs> sabotaged the equipment. Uh, Wood didn't believe Blondlot and ha- had really discovered anything. When the experiment was performed, Blondlot's assistant claimed that he saw N rays. Wood repaired the equipment but was caught. Uh, the assistant thought that he was sabotaging and performed the experiment again, this time saying he found no N-rays. But the equipment was working fine that time. That's confusing. So Lon Lot was called a fraud, and science decided to see other people. Get it? They broke up. <laughs> and this was in 1894, right? It doesn't say. No one can know. I'll, it's I'll, I'll bet someone knows. And Nobody knows. I think it's 1894. Nobody, you're wrong. You know how oh, I know? Emma? Did you just look I it up? I, d- I don't actually know, so yeah. I don't have any idea. Ah, so the story, Dave, was that the the assistant to uh, Blondlo, Blondlo, the French guy, was uh, was running an experiment to prove that in rays were there, and everybody should uh, uh, you know write papers and peer review it. We should all be wearing suits made of green wood to protect us. Yeah, and and Robert Wood, Robert Green Wood. Um, <laughs> because he was immune to them and was like, I'm going to, uh, you know what, Frenchy, here's a little salad for you. And like takes out part of the equipment. It, it was like a prism or something that, that had to, that the equipment had to work with. And he, he secretly takes it out. The assistant runs the experiment and it's like, voila, here are in rays, just like we said. And then Wood's like, all right, asshole. Try it yeah, again, and then tries to sneak it back in. The assistant's like, "Oh no, no, no! You cannot uh, sabotage our equipment." And and he thought that Wood was actually uh, damaging it when he was actually putting it back together the way it was supposed to be. And so he got it back together, and he was like, "Okay, you caught me. Sorry, I, I'm going to stop." And then the assistant guy was like. All right, we're gonna run this experiment again, and and but it's not going to work because you messed up the equipment. And then they ran it again, and he was like, "Nope, no in rays." But it was actually in working order and should have produced the in rays. So it was he flipped the script, and it was basically proof that he was a fraud. Blondlot was Blondlot. So he goes yeah, crazy, or, or so they say. Yes, and some say he's still out there. <laughs> Trying to look through things with N-rays. It never really well, said what N-rays did. It was just a form of ionized radiation that was different it, than it X-rays. passed through things. Yeah. Right? It was like the odic force. Sure. and That's it, what I think. But, I think the yeah. N-rays are just the French trying to get their own odic force. I've never heard of the odic force. Well, that's all right. You didn't know what your N-rays were either. Yeah. Well, I live in a sea of ignorance. That's how I yes, jam. A placid sea of ignorance. All around you. It, Dave, it's a bunch of uh, cute, very cute sea creatures that, you know, Aww. just kind of wash over you and, and throw Man. balls and put cups in, in, in each other. <laughs> in each other. It just got awesome. less cute all of a sudden. Put cups. <laughs> put stack cups. <laughs> cups on cups. Cups. Two otters, one cup. <laughs> okay. Oh, right. so sorry. Can yes. I, I think you were going to say no, something. No, I cut I, you off. No, please continue. <laughs> please continue with your otter. I would, I would like to hear more about your otter porn site that you're developing. Even today <laughs> called Benedict Cumberbatch.org. <laughs> um, anyhow, well, uh, I like is, oh, I'm sorry, sorry Dave. Ahead. Were you going to talk? 
was going to try, but you can go. Share some information. Lay out some Otic Force knowledge on the people, Dave. No, I don't know shit about Otic Force. I was yeah. going to talk about N-Rays. Oh, were you? Yeah. You, you tell us about Otic Force. All right, I will. Uh, Baron Carl von Reichenbach. I love him. He's already got the world's best name. And he, what he wanted to do is find out what it was that made somnambulists walk. <laughs> right? So he's going along and he's experimenting and he figures out it's some property of moonlight that makes somnambulists walk. And so he starts putting them in rooms with no windows, thinking that if they can't get touched by the moonlight, then they won't walk. But it's sure enough, they keep walking. So he figures there's something inside the moonlight that the moon emits a kind of a force, which he named odd, right? Or the oddic force that awakens somnambulists. And then later he figured out that certain sensitives among him, among them, the somnambulists were able to detect oddic force in other things so that they would be in like, you know, cups or uh, walls or whatever. And they could see by the oddic force and, and walk around by it. But some things wouldn't allow oddic force to go through. And among them was hemp. Hemp was apparently uh, immune to the oddic force. It was uh, <laughs> opaque to it. And he had a whole big deal about the odd and what he was actually doing was just engaged in a little fully I do with a bunch of somnambulists, but that was fun. And, uh, the odd sort of just stuck around as one of those things that, you know, there was experimental data on that these somnambulists were seeing things, but no one really knew what it was. And then I think that the, uh, blonde lot was trying to sort of, uh, rehabilitate the odd with his N rays. I think the N rays were sort of a similar thing that they were a, a property of matter that um, uh, c- could be used to, uh, to, to measure it and figure out its, its, its innate uh, nature uh, in the same so way. We may harness it. Yes, in the, in the same way that uh, you might uh, imagine magnetism or gravity or anything else as an innate property of matter, that there's another kind of a field, the odic field, that the N-ray is a similar sort of a thing like that, <laughs> and that that's, um, uh, that that's something that matter has within it, except, of course, for green wood and certainly uh, some treated metals. And I think that that green wood and the hemp probably have a vegetable quality to them that lets them hmm. stop both the things. That's just my thought is that N-rays seem very much like the odd, but I guess that's just me. Dave, what were you going to say? Uh, I, as I, as I read into this a little bit more, there's actually a really fun story about what led up to um, Wood going to visit Blonde Lot or Blonde Lowe's lab. And as you're reading, did you, did you run across the year? Uh, let's see here. I'll find the year. Yeah. I want you to find the year. I'm going to see how far off I am from 1894. I might be a couple of years off. I'm willing oh, to, might you? I'm, I'm willing to be the bigger man and say that I might be 18. Nope. There's a ton of years here and none of them are for w- that. No. All right. 1903. 1903. Yeah, I've got, All right. Oh yeah. We have I've a, got, we have a ruling got, from the, from the, from the judges. I've got Victor <laughs> Schumann in 1893. 19, uh, that's probably what I was thinking of. Anyway, tell us yeah. about. Uh, Robert Wood. So, so Blonde Lot uh, announced his results. Uh, the whole world wanted to duplicate these things. So a ton of notable physics uh, uh, physicists at the time tried to duplicate it, including Lord Kelvin, William Crookes, Otto Lummer, <laughs> and Heinrich Rubens. None of them could do it. <laughs> and uh, Heinrich Rubens Michael Michelson actually, could, but Morley couldn't. I just made uh, that up. Neither one probably could have tried. <laughs> Uh, Rubens was actually asked to repeat the experiment by Kaiser Wilhelm II. And after weeks had to finally be like, oh, sorry, no can do. Sorry, Kaiser. And so 
they were kind of discussing amongst themselves, well, someone needs to go to this asshole's lab and verify that he's really doing something. And Wood suggested that Rubens go because Rubens had been the most embarrassed by it. (laughs) (laughs) And Rubens was like, nope, nope. It would look better if you went because of all of us, Blonde Lot is nicest to you. <laughs> you're the one he's actually replying you're, to. You're the one he trusts. Go and yeah, break so, his heart. So I, I feel like there was a lot of bag holding. Everyone's trying to shove it off. And finally, Wood was like, <laughs> fine, fine, I'll go. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So there you go. A little bit more fun out of that. A little unraised. human interest story for the Enrace. The Enrays, though, they're, they're, I mean, aside from the possible odd connection, they're sort of one up, one down. It's not, it, it's not as often that you get these things that sort of someone suggests their dumb thing. It's easily disproven, and then we all move on with our lives. I guess we just did it with cold fusion, though. Never mind. <laughs> and we're going to do it again with polywater. That's right. Forget I said anything. Speaking of polywater, uh, polywater, from a report <laughs> by the Committee on Science, Engineering, and Public Policy. Except- they they <laughs> They did a lot of good work. Yep. In 1966, the Soviet scientist Boris Valdimirovich Dzhegun lectured in England on a new form of water that he claimed had been discovered by another Soviet scientist in Fedyakin, uh, formed by heating water and letting it condense in quartz capillaries. This quote-unquote anomalous water, as it was originally called, had... A.K.A. water. <laughs> Uh, had a density higher than normal water, a viscosity 15 times that of normal water, a boiling point higher than 100 degrees centigrade, and a freezing point lower than zero degrees. Over the next several years, hundreds of papers appeared in the scientific literature describing the properties of what soon came to be known as polywater. Theorists developed models supported by some experimental measurements in which strong hydrogen bonds were causing water to polymerize, uh, some even warned that if polywater escaped from the laboratory, it could autocatalytically polymerize all the world's water, uh, Vonnegut style. I guess Vonnegut probably got Ice Nine from this polywater. He, he could have, nonsense, right? yeah, uh, in '66. So, yeah. uh, the, then the case for polywater began to crumble because polywater could only be formed in minuscule capillaries. Very little was available for analysis. When small samples were analyzed, polywater proved to be contaminated with a variety of other substances, from silicon to phospholipids. Electron microscopy revealed that polywater actually consisted of finely divided particulate matter suspended in, you guessed it, Frank Stallone. I mean, ordinary water. (laughs) Gradually, the scientists who had described the properties of polywater admitted it did not exist. They had been misled by poorly controlled experiments and problems with experimental procedures. That guy over there did it. There's the, that cat looked at me funny it, and there's poly water. Uh, as the problems were resolved and experiments gained better controls, evidence for the existence of poly water disappeared. You could even say it <laughs> evaporated. Oh! That was from the Con- committee on science, engineering and public policy. Except <laughs> ask for it by name. <laughs> For it by anyway. So in scientific terms, polywater is just gunk. Yeah, it's goop. Yeah. yeah. It's just it's it, just it's, thick it's water. Nickelodeon Damn. had a, had an excess it's of just, it in the nineties. You know, no one washed out their quartz capillaries very well. Yeah. Yeah. Some guy sneezes in a capillary and you want to keep it. You want to keep it. You want to double dare someone with it? 
get that flag. <laughs> get up in that nose. <laughs> Nobody. Oh. Am I alone? No, here? Dub- no, no. Double Dare was. <laughs> It was so, a giant nose. You had to pull the, the flag out of its yep, boogers. Yep. It, everything was goopy then, there. Ken. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was Ken. thinking about literally anything else. <laughs> <laughs> the and, and Cat's Cradle is what we were, were referencing with the Ice Nine, uh, which was water that was solid at room temperature, but if it came in contact with any other water, it immediately... I mean, froze well, that water it, too. It, it, it converted it, it into regular into that kind of water. Yeah, and so that would then set up a chain reaction that would cause it to solidify, thus freezing or solidifying all water everywhere, which is bad. Yeah, and Don't sorry guys, a, I've never read Vonnegut. Shocker. That's a plot point. So if you haven't read it, uh, get on it. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. Ice Nine is bad. <laughs> I, I read some Vonnegut, just not that one. I think the the only thing that I know that's even in this direction is heavy water, um, which they used uh, back in the day or to this day. I don't know. Ken, heavy water? Heavy water is water in which the hydrogen is uh, already deuterium, right? Yep. Not just uh, regular old hydrogen. It's it's deuterium, the, the uh, isotope of hydrogen that you use in nuclear fission. And so you need heavy water to produce... Uh, nuclear fission or you did back in the 1940s when the uh, Nazis were trying to build it in Norway and the heroic uh, allies blew it up. <laughs> so take that. And and that's why that's why you need uh, uh, centrifuges, right? No, I'm no, sure. I'm no. sure that's part of it. Part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's probably not just the heavy water. I don't even know if they use heavy water anymore. They if they've got, got better ways. Than that. That's what I think. That's what I felt, too. I was like, God, I feel like that's not. That that's not old a thing school anymore. That that's OG nuclear fission. Yeah. Yeah. I'll bet they have better ways now, but maybe they don't. Either way, it's yeah. not the same thing as polywater because it's it's still water and it's just heavy yeah. because it's got a higher atomic uh, or molecular weight. That's all. Right. But it doesn't change any of its problems. No, it doesn't like, you know, melt it um, uh, higher than 100 or whatever. Right. No, it's just regular old water. Well, I got to tell you, Flora, all this talk about water is really cooling me off. Is there anything, uh, anything we could talk about that'll heat things back up again? You need to stay hot. Don't oh, stay frosty okay. on this one. Get all hot and bothered. Uh-huh. Because it is time to unleash the beast of Wilhelm Reich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Put on the Barry White and let's get blue. He's <laughs> orgone, but not forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> that joke will never die. What can we even say about old Wilhelm, right? <laughs> he was a, a he was guy. a happening guy. Do you you want to launch in for us? I feel like I uh, mean, basically uh, this, uh, we did this at the live show, right? A bit, yeah. Uh, talked about him, but he was a Freudian, uh, a hyper Freudian, a Freudian avant la Freudian letter, um, Freudian freak, a Freudian super freak. <laughs> And he believed uh, the that kind you don't take home to mother. You, you do take home to mother because of your interest <laughs> in your mother and other things. <laughs> but he believed that uh, with Freud, that the libido was the key to all human interaction. And then departing from Freud, decided to see if the libido could be physically measured and not in the <laughs> sense of, you know, two messence, but in the sense of <laughs> energies. <laughs> That is the best $5 boner word we have ever had on the podcast. 
That's what you bring me for. <laughs> That's right. The show needs a little Dude. more tumescence. Let's bring oh, Ken on. Oh, God. Alderman yes, tumescence. Yes, it does. That's right. Uh, tumescence oh. and uh, a, a side of chips and a Coke. <laughs> so he believed that you could measure the energy that was created by the um, uh, sort of coiling up the libido. Because remember, Freud is basically believes that the human brain is a steam engine and it's all run by valves and pressure systems because Freud was a primitive screwhead. <laughs> and um, so uh, Reich believed that this energy could be detected. And that is what set him off on his exciting path of trying to discover the energy of the libido, which he discovered was a bluish energy or blue energy that he named the orgone uh, from a, a portmanteau, I believe, of orgasm and ozone, right? Orgasmic yeah. ozone. And that the orgone was also what made crops grow. And so that that uh, meant that it was up in the atmosphere, made everything get funky mm-hmm. and uh, that it was all around us. And it was the beautiful blue of the sky was caused by the orgone radiation emitted by our very own sun and uh, <laughs> our beaming horny, down on horny us, sun. our horny, horny sun. <laughs> and if you look back to the Greek myths of Apollo, obviously that checks out. So Apollo's just up there. Um, uh, showering us with his love is that what we want to say probably not (laughs) probably not yeah but anyway um uh, he got farther and farther away from sort of the uh the uh psychological aspects of it and more into the socio-psychological on the theory that if you could harness the orgone and build the orgone you could unleash it on the community and improve the whole community at once by raising its orgone levels and then, I mean, it would chill some people out. It would chill some people out. So he began to uh, develop cloud seeding techniques yeah. by which you would fly up and release orgone into the clouds, and the clouds would then uh, shower their lightning and thunder and uh, wake up the, the, the orgonosity of the atmosphere, and it everything woke. would be awesome. Because uh, the, uh, the ozone half of it, after lightning goes off, that's when you, your, your orgone is at its... Uh, it's high point, right? It's been energized and jumped up a notch. So that was why the cloud seeding got into it. He wanted to make storms that would, uh, that would create the positive orgone. That smell. It's not the soil. No, no it's-, it's the love. <laughs> and, uh, so you would, uh, go, he had boxes that had various levels of metal, uh, specially treated metals, much like your N rays. I'm sure that, uh, would accumulate the orgone that b- bounce around in there. Like if you had a mirrored box, it would bounce around light and hold it. Same deal with the orgone, the things that would reflect the orgone or contain it went into orgone boxes, which became known as orgone accumulators. That's what he called them. And uh, I assume that one would go into them and get biz eye. And then that's where your libidinous energy would be stored up. But perhaps you would just expose them to the health giving sunlight. I'm not sure how the organ <laughs> accumulator looks because, you know, the safe search on my browser stops working when I research it. Not mine, man. I've got. Orgone accumulators like you can't imagine going on there over go. here. Yes. <laughs> how would how would you get in an accumulator, get it on, and then have no have zero loss of of orgone energy? I, I think if that's your again. problem with the with the science. <laughs> hey, that's step one. You got to start somewhere. <sighs> I don't know. Maybe it maybe it's a folding foil tent. I'm not the expert they, on this they, orgone box nonsense. They look like. I mean, maybe I am. Um, still, little wooden like college dorm refrigerators. Yeah, right. And I mean, I mean, whatever you want to shell out for yeah. the price of however big you. Orgone want. accumulators come in all sizes. Oh yeah, just like those who need them. 
<laughs> just like the libidos. But at any rate, he began to try and sell organ accumulators through the mail, and that got him into all kinds of trouble with the Postmaster General and with the FBI and with other people the FDA. who are like the FDA who are <laughs> saying there's no health benefits and this is creepy and all of your pamphlets are creepy and you're creepy and you're a foreigner and we hate you. And he began to be persecuted by the federal government, uh, which happens even to people who aren't cranks. But if you are a crank, it, it hurts more, I think, <laughs> because you're, you're going to raise a bigger fuss. Well, you are, well, you already believe a bunch of nonsense. So believing that the federal government are like, you know, messing with your brainwaves by releasing the detrimental orgone or the depleted orgone to get you is, I guess the next step, right? <laughs> And that's a thing smashed all my accumulators that there's a, uh, that there's a, that there's a system by which if you deplete the orgone from the air, uh, then you have a depleted orgone field and that's bad. And that, that unchills everybody that creates badness. And the notion being that this orgone depletion is one of the side effects of some UFO sightings. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe he was onto something. Maybe, maybe something, uh, maybe it's Maybelline all the orgone in 2016. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what happened. Well, I think we know who that was. <laughs> I mean, you know what, what happened is, is when Prince left, he took all our organ with him. Oh Jesus. He was, he was like a conductor. Oh, yeah. Well, he he's, that's why the, of- that's why he was purple. <laughs> Actually, everything Prince owned was red. He, yeah. It's just that the orgone around him <laughs> flowed through him, flowed through him and turned it all purple. Yeah, he was Doppler shifted. Exactly. Oh, like he was Jesus. so far down the Orgone uh, spectrum along the Orgone trail. The Orgone trail. <laughs> the Orgone trail. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Dave. Dave, you've got a yeah. million dollar app. Right. <laughs> Let's get on that. You have died of love and dysentery. <laughs> You did Which not accumulate enough. was actually enough. a Prince song. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> he wrote that. It was, it was on the slave album, I think. Terry. Well, I've got great She's news never satisfied. <laughs> Why don't we have more organite? <laughs> little blue Corvette. <laughs> uh, so, great news, guys, is that you can still buy organ accumulators online. Well, thank God that yeah, the man um, has not... Ended this party. Yeah. What they are is um, metal shavings, some <laughs> uh, springs, a couple of crystals all poured into a mold with, um, I don't know, what, what, what looks like um, clear acrylic. Yeah. And, um, and then you got yourself, you can get pendants, pyramids. If you throw the crystals in, it helps make the orgone energy more coherent. Yeah, like uh, a laser. Focuses it. Like a yeah, laser. Here, That's here, just science. Uh, let me see here. I want to pull up a, see if I can get a bigger picture of one of these guys for you guys to see here. There you go. Looks like something yeah. I bought in Taos. <laughs> <laughs> it is just metal shavings and shit in plastic. Well, that, in, in a little puck. That one of them looks like a pecan crab cake or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Looks delicious. It's, like, it's a deconstructed pecan crab cake. <laughs> Our chef Basil is very proud of it. Yeah. Some of them are sort of $20. The <laughs> Some of them are $16, so, but I want to know, oh, you could spend uh, as much as $125 on some of the larger pyramids to really get orgone going gone. <laughs> uh, don't worry, Dave. You know, if, you, if you've got an accumulator, let's just say you've bought one. Yeah, let's pretend, because uh, I don't own any. Oh, these are so great. Um, all that collected orgone could be shot all over, you know, your plants your wine your significant other 
you just have to get Watch a handy. It, Stan. <laughs> All you have to do is get a an attachment for it called a shooter, right? A shooter. And a shooter. A, an orgone shooter. Like a salad shooter. It is not <laughs> yeah. as complex. It is a tube and funnel that you stick in the accumulator. And yeah. once you, and what this does, let's say you want to accumulate some orgone, just stick like a chair in there. Put it in there for a little while. Pop your shooter on there, i.e. a hose and funnel, and just like wave it at, at your, your boyfriend or girlfriend. Suddenly they're all sexified and you're, you're good to go. Your wine tastes better. Coffee's not as as acidic. I mean, I'm I'm guessing yeah, probably. So, Dave, you could you could get a a, a, a get shooter orgone cold brew. That's right. You could get a a a shooter and an accumulator together. Oh my uh, gosh! Well, I I can do you one better. Well, wait, wait. I'm 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 not uh-huh. done. <laughs> oh sh. Well, I'm still you, gonna. You this, can you can this get turned the, into the weirdest QVC program ever. Now, now, now <laughs> zoom in on this. Real, get it, get in on this. I want you to get real close here. Uh huh. You can get a. That was a QVC joke. Yeah. I, I went, uh, you can get a combo package. You can get both of them for. Well, let's say you don't want too much. Let's say you just need a shoebox sized version. Dave, you get uh-huh. a, a shoebox sized accumulator and a shooter for the low low price. One easy payment. $535. You can't afford not to save. I'm going to hose everybody down with Oregon. That's right. Operators are standing by to laugh at you for <laughs> well, believing in this shit. No, no, no. I've got, I got, I got, I got another great product here. Uh, available only from Etsy. Right. <laughs> I'll bet it's not only well, from Etsy. Well, it's handmade. Yeah. How about the Orgone gun? Uh, it is, it is a literal, like, Walther PPK esque uh, resin gun with some crystals and some wire in it, so that you can have your very own shootout at the Orgone Corral. There you go. Look at that. Yeah, James Bond will return. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the the description is whether you want to leave this in your car or your pocket, this is a great tiny tool for shooting those blasted chemtrails. Well, there you go. Well, That's right. The chemtrails are all depleted orgone. And yes, I am happy to see you. <laughs> <laughs> While some people use their finger to disperse chemtrails, the orgone gun acts like a battery and adds pure ether energy shooting through the Tesla coil when you hold and point it. Oh, yes. Yes. Yes, she had a checklist and she went to town. On Absolutely. It. Well, that's that's other oh, orgone yes. guns will not incl- incorporate ether or a Tesla coil. There, the, people have picked up the mantle. the The uh, advancement of the the colors were dropped, and and then someone picked it up and kept running because the revolution has to continue. But they're still doing a lot of orgone. Yeah, it's it's kind of like Edgar Casey and. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the sort of desperately uncool weird that's still just going on everywhere. Yeah. It's like, you know, somewhere people are still listening to Montavani, you know, there's still probably millions of Montavani albums being sold. Same deal with <laughs> Edgar Casey. <laughs> same deal with Orgone. It's all that sort of stuff that was like, you know, uh, people's weird aunt was into. And now there's just that sort of little subculture just ticking along yeah. in the sort of uh, byways and highways of this great land of ours. That's what I, that's, what's great though, is you get these sort of, you know, weird things. And at the time, of course he was a weird European. He was uh, all Freudian and German and sexy. And he was a doctor. The FBI was going after him. He was a doctor who was inappropriately touching his page. He was so good. And now it's just sort of, you know, 
there you go. It's on your Etsy. I mean, what, what better than that? Right. I, I, I like that about this sort of, I mean, not everything can be dark matter and Nazis. You know, I, I like <laughs> true. It's just a little, a little harmless fun with chemtrails and blue energy from sex. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. Nice. Yeah. If, yeah. If, if you're, if you're great big thing that you're uh, bringing into the world is, Hey, maybe we should be banging more often. I feel like maybe I should yeah. be in business with these people right. because and I've got a sex holiday to sell. Exactly. And Boy. Yeah, you should. That, this is a great uh, branding opportunity, right? Yeah, we really yeah. should. I, I need to make some orgone products for the yeah. upcoming Christmas season. Or at the very least, like a like a pamphlet. Yeah, <laughs> I really should. I think I think I have to. I think that I'm on the hook to make Christmas cards. I, th- I think I think adding orgone to Christmas is like adding Coca Cola to Christmas. I think that, <laughs> yeah, it's sold by polar bears. Right, exactly, and Santa. <laughs> Obviously, we love the science in this one. There's a quote by uh, author Roger Wilcox. You ever heard of him, Ken? Yeah. He says, unlike Sir Isaac Newton, Reich was not willing to stand upon the shoulders of giants. He stood only as high as his own experiences would allow, and from this low perch, imagined himself to be a lone eagle soaring higher than any other man had ever reached. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is awesome. (laughs) Yep. Uh, any final thoughts on Orgone, anyone? No, I loved it. Yep. We already did the Orgone, uh, giant Orgone amoebas, mm. uh, as UFOs at the aerial phenomena. Yep. So go back and listen to that again. That's right. All of my beautiful thoughts on Trevor Constable. Wasn't unleashed then. Wasn't there, was there something with a forest and Orgone at some point? Maybe. Is, uh, if that's not sparking anything, then I, then it's probably a pun. that's floating around my head you know fighting uh fighting in the orgone forest yeah i think that's 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 probably what it was neither here nor there heroes of the muse orgone (laughs) 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 well uh i think the takeaway from the episode for everyone out there uh is that for many scientists the ends are more important than the means. This is not every scientist, but for many of them, the ends are more important than the means. It's simply bad science. When testing hypotheses or conducting experiments, one cannot fall into the trap of self-deception, ad hoc excuses, or simply seeking to confirm a hypothesis rather than test one. It's much the same with the the subjects that uh, we we cover, the things of the unexplained or the paranormal. Uh, Don't go looking for what fits the bill, take the the bad with the good and don't be a victim of wishful thinking. And in, in, even in real science, I mean, there's a, what they call the reproducibility crisis that, you know, a third of right. experiments can't be reproduced. And then there's an awful lot of testing to confirmation bias because whether conscious or unconscious, because it's publish or perish and yeah. you can't publish negative results, even though negative, negative results are just as sciencey as positive results because they're like, Nope, that didn't work. Right. And that's data. And you need those data. But uh, but that's not what is going on. And there's sort of an ongoing uh, sort of slow motion crisis in the sciences, uh, even in the hard real sciences about this stuff that they go and they and they look at these data. And it's like, uh, I don't think that that ever actually happened. And there's all manner of, um, you know, sort of tectonic shifts going on. You feel almost like you're on one of those Kuhnian paradigm moments, but <laughs> probably not. Probably just an example of too many people getting too many student loans. or or, yeah just having to pay those off somehow that's right uh there was an episode of john oliver that he talked about the bad science that's going on 
Uh, it was pretty yeah. good. It, it, it relates to a lot of Facebook clickbait articles and things like that. Where well, that a like, lot of that is just bad science journalism. Well, because even there's good science and <laughs> it's just badly reported. But this, uh, that is exactly what I was talking about with the, the water globules. Like the, the other sta- scientists have found another state of, of matter for water. Oh, uh, no, no, you just, you, you just got my 10 cents. Mm-hmm. Dave, any thoughts? Uh, no, I mean, I, I enjoy this kind of thing. Like, I, I just I, what I hate is that once these things are out, they never they never go back in the bottle, and you know that that this is a you know what what doesn't become science becomes religion, and a lot of these a lot of these things are still out there, or uh, for better or for worse, you know, like there are still people making a ton of money off, or at least maybe not a ton. I don't feel like anyone's rich. <laughs> are you off are, Oregon I products? Think, I think Big Oregon is trying to get you to say that, Dave. <laughs> But you know, like like you said, like red mercury, just as popular as ever. Yep. Uh, I feel like there is never going to be an end of cold fusion claims here and there, or that it was suppressed, or that it's you know it's one of those yeah. secret things. Um, and so, I don't know. Is this is this just the price? Is this just the cost of doing business? If you're going to have a lot yeah. of people uh, earnestly working towards science, you're going to get you're going to get some some funky results, and some people are going to really latch onto them. Yeah. And the thing is that as society increases the prestige given to science, that increases the incentives to do bad or showy science or pretend science right. in order to uh, uh, hijack or at least um, uh, hitchhike along on that prestige. So yeah. it's sort of not just a cost of doing business. It's a it's an inevitable cost of doing business. You can't really undo it because the way to undo it would be to diminish science which is not what anyone wants to do even though these barnacles are themselves diminishing science the trick is just make sure that everyone knows enough to know that you know anything that begins with freud is going to lead to nonsense or you know anything that says the government is covering up this whatever is probably baloney yeah and also no the nazis did not invent things because <laughs> they were <laughs> they were terrible terrible they had add of evil <laughs> one of the, one of the best things in the whole world is the uh is the surveillance tapes that they made when they had uh heisenberg and all the nazi atomic physicists in the in the farm hall in in england and they had them all locked away oh, yeah. <laughs> and then uh the americans bombed uh, hiroshima and nagasaki and the news gets back to all these nazi atomic scientists and they're just dumbfounded that the Americans solved the problem that they had convinced themselves was impossible because Heisenberg couldn't do basic algebra, <laughs> which is hilarious. Uber mentioned my ear <laughs> and it's just the, the, them arguing amongst themselves about whether or not Hiroshima was real is just, Oh, you, you've never wanted to laugh in a bunch of Nazis faces so much. <laughs> Maybe he was, maybe uh, Heisenberg was just a classic self-doubter. I mean, he came up with the uncertainty principle. That's right. He's like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe you can. Maybe you can't. Oh, I, don't, I don't know. You, no one will ever know. He How invented, about that? He invented both the uncertainty principle and the imposter syndrome. <laughs> he's really, I mean, he, he, no one gave him credit for it because, you know, he, he, he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't take credit. But he wouldn't show humble. up to the medal ceremony. Yes. Well, there you go. That'll uh, that'll do it for pathological science and a Ugh. very very terribly um, experimented on nutshell <laughs> in a highly explosive, multiphasic, <laughs> right. high energy nutshell, libidinous nutshell. Oh, you know what? There was one other uh, experiment that was done 
that conclusively proved the false existence of uh, of an entertaining pun. <laughs> what was it? How's... No, that was it. That was it. It's just it's just words, 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 and then I shout pun. So you're Everyone saying knows this is the it format. It was one now. of those experiments that proved nothing. Yeah. Like had puns. negative results. Right. Puns right. prove nothing. Right. And yet they're important. Junk science. Uh, do you know that there was uh, an extraordinarily explosive, a powerful energetic substance that was actually um, created in England and was first unleashed in the late 70s. And uh, everyone in the world was in awe of this, uh, this material that was called Fred Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I I always I always forget that there is no actual bar to go over. <laughs> the bar doesn't exist. Yep. Yeah. Nicely done. All right. Um I hate to follow it up with this one now. Um <laughs> Yeah. That's as close as uh, as I've gotten in a long time to a good pun. Uh I've got a gym, Dave, where you can work out and uh you take little amounts of toxic compounds. To see explosive results, bro. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's called Shred Mercury. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, that's extreme. Yes. Explosive results. Explosive results. <laughs> um, all right. Okay, I've got one. Uh, it's a placeholder until I do a real one. But it'll, <laughs> <laughs> Aren't they all? Aren't they all? <laughs> really? Um, after uh, his experiment uh, with N-rays was so dramatically uh, proven to be bunk by Robert Wood, Blonde Low uh, went on a uh, sort of a self-destructive binge. I don't know if people know this um, and wound up dancing in uh, waterfront bars in Marseille. Oh, no. Um, and uh, there he uh, he sort of uh, went into a destructive spiral. Um, but somehow he was always able to, you know, to, to, to keep a few francs together uh, because as it transpired, uh, gentlemen prefer Blonde Low. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Can, can always yeah. he, he was always a good earner. Mm-hmm. Was that starring Norma Inray? <laughs> you know, it was it was a, a huge uh, problem uh, in the world uh, of rock and roll because they they determined that um, it turns out people were right. Rock and roll was bad for the youth, uh, specifically when they found out that uh, the band Motorhead was emitting lemurays. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. That's terrible. It's a lemmy. Yeah. 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 That's, that, that concludes my rock and roll edition of puns. Oh, no, you think it does. You think it does. Oh! Because, um, uh, uh, Dave, did you want to do yours or do you want? It's, uh, All right. If I mean, you got one, I got on one. Um, because I don't know if you are uh, as familiar with Fred Mercury's biggest hit, <laughs> which was uh, not read but in fact was blue. Uh, it's of course the stadium hit played all over sporting events. And it of course was Wilhelm Wilhelm Reichu. <laughs> That's brilliant. I just had some poly water in the system there for a while. Yeah. That was. Gunking it up. Didn't, yep. didn't the clash open for him with their smash hit? Should I stay or should or go? Ooh, <laughs> look at that. Now we can all do yes. it. <laughs> that tiny gun is uh, really working for you there, Dave. Yeah. Happiness is Orgone gun. 
Uh, all right, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna end out with a uh, my business theme. Dave went rock and roll. I went I went business. That's that's how we roll, though. Yeah, Dave is the party in the front. <laughs> Dave is the business in the back. <laughs> it's a reverse mullet. <laughs> I can't Blurry see photos anything. Of the reverse mullet. <laughs> By the way, uh, the reverse mullet. Uh, I encourage you all to try it uh, this coming uh, Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> People will believe you as you walk away. <laughs> um, you just look emo. That's all that is. Yeah. Uh, so I've got a coffee shop that specializes in making coffee concentrates by fusing beans with chilled water. Whoa. It's called cold brucian. Nice, brah. Uh. <laughs> 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 oh, got the grunt. That's going to do it for pun. Yes, it is. Them, thems is the puns. Which leaves us to the, uh, shall we say, dubious science that is a listener. <laughs> Flora, start us off with some list nor mail. All right. I'm going to kick it off here with uh, A.R. Foster. All right. The, not the assault rifle Foster. Nope, he says, uh, let's find a new nickname for me. As much as I love being called Automatic Rifle Foster, I feel like with the current political climate here in the U.S., I should be going with a name more in line with my actual beliefs. Um, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, something like, actually, really, nonviolent Foster, or arms ready for hugs, Foster, or asking recently for a new nickname, Foster. Um, Anti-Raccoon Foster. Artful raconteur, Foster. Uh, ain't ready for the coming uprising, Foster. <laughs> <laughs> Always retching, Foster. <laughs> Always regretful. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Amiable raccoon, Foster, will not cut it. <laughs> uh, I don't know how it happened, but I feel like I'm uniquely qualified to bitch about something that's come up on an episode. Hmm. What? During the numerology episode, there was some mention of Pythagoras, music, and his crazy number cult. I've actually got a degree in music and am getting a degree in philosophy at this very moment, three months ago. There are a couple things I would like to clear up, not because you got it wrong, but because a numerologist did. Oh. Oh. Pythagoras uh, didn't. A atonal rocker, Foster. A atonal rocker. <laughs> Pythagoras A did squared radius foster. <laughs> no, 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 keep going. Oh, yeah? Pythagoras did not invent the eight-tone scale. He did some work with modes uh, in the Greek seven-tone scale, uh, but he didn't invent the scale or the concept of modes, and modes were uh, mo modes were always tough for me. I, I don't know why, but modes never stuck in, uh, in my craw when I was studying it. The only um, mode I need is Depeche mode. Am I right? <laughs> modes are in the simplest turn variations on scales. Like if, if you're going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, another mode would be two, three, four, five, six, seven, one. Right. And on and on. There's a different. I'm just going to say that. that Walt Disney seemed to think that Pythagoras invented the eight tone scale. So who Walt am I going to believe? Walt Disney thought a right. lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> a lot, a lot of people. Well, he, he made a darling cartoon to that effect. <laughs> Toot whistle plunk and boom. Yeah. Uh, Pythagoras did use a lyre to discover some mathematically significant points in music, specifically involving ratios. Uh, I'm, is that the overtone? Uh, let's see. Without going into the numbers, uh -huh, he 
identified paired what we now call all octaves, perfect fifths, perfect fourths, and unisons with different string length ratios and call those perfect intervals, which is something we still use to this day. Just don't use parallel fifths. It's lazy writing. That was me. Uh, okay. <laughs> we can safely cite Pythagoras as the first old man bitching about music these days. Music these days. Uh, <laughs> the work at, he at this did, point, he's practice. already regretting it, Foster. Yep. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is not as fun as I'm having. <laughs> Just finish your thesis on Pythagoras already, Foster. Yeah. Four. And then he says, if you want to hear some ancient, actual ancient Greek music, go to allmusic.com. Uh, and listen for the Norton Volume 1, and you can find some for that. There's a lot of uh, information here that always reliable information Foster uh, (laughs) gives us. So take care, everyone. Don't don't forget to thank a long-dead ancient Greek for being indirectly responsible for the current U.S.-American election cycle. Andrew, already regretting this decision, Foster, is how he's Oh, he stole mine. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So thank you, uh, A.R., I uh, appreciate you writing in with some... I always appreciate uh, music theory, being a fellow... Uh, nerd. Major. Nerd. Mm-hmm. Is that the word you were looking for? I'm looking for the word nerd. Thank you. Dave. Got an email from Chad. Chad. Uh-huh. You're right. Thanks for all the great shows. You're welcome, Chad. Happy to do it, Chad. <laughs> I think I speak for Dave when I say happy to do it. Chad writes, uh, he's got a pretty great uh, show suggestion. Uh, turns out that there is uh, some mystery in Davenport, Iowa, which is just about an hour away from me. I drive through it every time I go between my home and yours, Flora. Huh. But uh, some artifacts that were discovered in the late 1800s. So uh, I wouldn't mind looking into that some more. Go find and them. Much like uh, 98% of the family I'm marrying into, our friend Chad is a dentist. Oh, really? Yeah. I'll, he, I'll bet you 20 bucks he knows Kim's brothers. Iowa's not that big a place. <laughs> he is in Iowa then. Yeah. The dentists all get together. Yes, they do. So thanks, Chad. Thank you, Chad. I uh, heard back from Echidna Duck. Hello, Echidna Duck. Heard of your show by way of the Miskatonic University podcast. Ooh. So thanks to them. Hey, um, Ken, have you ever heard of the Miskatonic University podcast? I've been on it, Dave. Oh, I was just checking. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I know you have. Ah. Because I don't think there's allowed to have any reference to Miskatonic that you are not directly uh, uh, involved with at some point or another. Um, I am uh, a professor emeritus of being involved. <laughs> Perfect. Moving on. I really enjoyed the La Llorona episode, even if it took me almost the whole episode to figure out that your writing around searching for stories wasn't just a really long opening sketch. Yeah. Story. <laughs> oh. I mean, we, we didn't preface it. We just we just launched that rocket. As a fellow transplant to Iowa, I'd like to welcome Dave to the state. Woo! Take take a tipple of some Templeton rye next time. You, oh, Dave, Dave has I, all, that. Already yeah. have. Yes, indeed. Way ahead of you. <laughs> uh, the, here's another plug for the Haunted Bookshop in Iowa City. I was just asking Kim about that tonight. We were downtown, and uh, again, it was already closed by the time we got there, so I, I might actually uh, tootle over there tomorrow. And look at this. If you're ever in the fine city of Waterloo, feel free to hit me up. Oh, we'll oh. physically hit you up with an arrow. <laughs> what, if, what if we, like, passed a, a kidna duck at the, the Palmer Family Fun Center? Oh, my God, maybe. 
What if Echidna Duck works the door at that uh, that that <laughs> that's the saddest strip club in Waterloo with the with the gigantic loading loading duck? <laughs> Here's a couple of puns. Historians claim it was scientists who created the first artificial sweeteners, but evidence suggests it was actually ancient sacronauts, not astronauts. <laughs> and then there's a a George Sucralose uh, sound, which we don't. Do we have a sucralose sound? I don't know. Did I did I do one that was just like very high pitched or something? Uh, Maybe. I remember. Well, finally, sadly, I do have a minor gripe about your numerology episode. As a lifelong resident of the Midwest and South, I can assure you that cicadas emerge from the ground every year. I'm listening to some right now. In fact, folks like to spread the prime number thing around because one certain cicada species do have life cycles of thirteen or seventeen years, and two people love to overstate the presence of all things prime numbery. Fibonacci numbery and golden ratio in nature. Yeah, I don't I didn't mean to say that like yeah, there of course there's annual cicadas. It's not like no one sees them for fifteen years and then we're awash in them. And also one is a prime number. Yeah, see, there you go. So a cicada that comes out every year is still coming out on prime numbers, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and I can't quite force myself to leave Flora's Fibonacci seashell comment alone either. Like the cicada thing, another bit of widespread misinformation. Although it'd be cool in both cases if these things were true. Yeah, I, I I feel bad about the. I mean, like, man, bugs are my bugs are my jam. I did not mean that they there aren't annual cicadas because yeah, everyone has to hear their monotonous shrill noise every year. But uh, yeah. yeah, you know what my personal theory is? What cicadas make it warmer? Oh, it's not the other way around. It's not, that, like, uh, not methane. It's the it's the friction from their little arms zipping Ooh. back and forth. Right. I like that. That's my theory. <laughs> they're warming the atmosphere with their stupid arms. Yeah, stupid little arms. Because if you're if you're you're out you're out you're walking around you're like, well, this is not so terrible. This is all right. And then you hear the cicadas, and it seems like it gets like ten degrees hotter in that moment. Those trees all burst into flames. That's what it. Well, <laughs> metaphysically, but yes, <laughs> everything gets a little bluer. Yep. Uh, well, thank you for for writing in and and offering info and calling us out uh, both. Yeah, uh, Echidna Duck. Thanks, Echidna Duck. Um, and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna come up to uh, Waterloo and hunt you with a bow and arrow. But don't worry, <laughs> you'll be aware of it because you'll also have to pay for a ticket. I mean, you'll know. <laughs> Blurry photos promise. When we come for you, you'll know we're coming. <laughs> and then you'll get hit with a very soft marshmallow tip. There. <laughs> That's right. Thunk. Uh, got an email here from Germana Solana. Uh, hello, Dave and Dave. Hello. That's us. Good I love your talk. show and just listened to the numerology episode. In refuting the subject and its origins with Pythagoras, comma, you mentioned in the music of the spheres. I don't think this really is connected to Pythagoras in actuality, but there is a true sort of music of the spheres. The planets do uh, let off a magnetic resonance that if we had ears that were tuned properly, maybe we could hear it on our own. As it is, and this is true, there are uh, videos on YouTube that have these frequencies along with their corresponding planets adjusted in a way that we can hear them. Yeah, there is, um, as the solar wind impacts uh, on the magnetic... Uh, magnetosphere. Uh, yeah, the magnetosphere of these planets, and you can hear them. And there's a lot of really cool ones. The, uh, the satellites that go way far out, the ones that just uh, rip by uh, Jupiter, have some really cool recordings because it's eerie sounding. It's, it's, it's cool. So thank you, German Solana. Uh, there is, you know, what's funny, um, where we get that Pythagoras was talking about music of the spheres or the, or celestial hums is from our buddy Pliny. 
that son of a bitch. He wrote of Pythagoras talking about this exact thing. So I think that's where we get this, this thought. In, in Pythagoras, according to Pliny, said that the that each planet gave off a, a hum. But, you know, obviously we, we couldn't hear it. So I, I don't know if I would say it was the music of the spheres is not tied to, to Pythagoras. But if you believe Pliny, which as we yeah, have... Why wouldn't you? Which we have, we have uh, uh, gone over... You do have to take a very big grain of salt with stuff he writes. It, it, there could be a connection there, but yeah, uh, interesting Interesting to know. And also, can, there's the notion that the planetary uh, orbits were uh, in crystal spheres around the Earth. Right. Right. And so if it's a crystal, it's going to bing gonna, when you hit it, right? Yeah. Or if you take that uh, poly water and rub on it, yeah. it'll uh, hum. <laughs> like, a, like a musical harmonica. Right. I like a glass and harmonica. water. <laughs> Rubbing it with poly water. Uh, Dave heard back from Giannis. Hello, Giannis. Howdy ho, guys. Might I start by saying there's nothing better, apart from uh, that first beer and burger, than to emerge from 10 days of military exercises and find any one but two episodes waiting. Ah, bam, bam. Ah, ah. Here's some uh, tidbits of Latvian paranormal lore. Uh, there's an incarnation of the old hag syndrome, the Letuans, which is said to be a spirit of a murdered child or possibly a dead witch or warlock. It's an entity that crawls out of a hole in the wall, tortures livestock, and sits atop you when you sleep, not letting you move nor sleep. Now here's the truly terrifying part. It's said to look like a young boy wearing checkered trousers. If that's not the stuff of nightmares, I don't know what is. <laughs> I, I think this may just be an excuse that people give. <laughs> we, no, this is the Latuanus. This is not <laughs> anyone you know. Right. That's the young boy in checkered trousers atop me as I sleep. <laughs> wiggling your left toe is said to help bugger it off. Oh, goodness. Maybe an indirect reference to regaining muscle function, similar to when your arm is asleep. As far as general Latvian paranormal personalities go, I can, uh, the two I can name have already been mentioned. Rodiv, mm -hmm. uh, the EVP pioneer and lead Skalnin. Yep. Uh, the Coral Castle. Coral Castle guy. Chap, which Dave and I are going to hit soon, I think. Yeah. Ironically, here Rodiv is most uh, mostly known as the husband of a famous Latvian writer, and Leedskalnin is generally known in his uh, is generally unknown in his homeland. Well, he did all of his shit in Florida, so yeah, right. Uh, still pleases me that my countrymen have made an impact on the world. P.S. I don't know the chap running Eastern Border, but uh, upon inspection, the podcast is decent information. I can sign off on as being truthful and not just spouting what you have to an audience that doesn't know any better. Yes, there are more than twelve of us here. Yeah, Chris stops. You got, you got verified, independent verified. verified. That's what Stamp. we've all been waiting for. That's what we've all been waiting for. Thank you, Giannis. It's not true until Giannis gives us the okay. Uh, I got one here from Justin, and he writes, "Hey, Dave's. Hey, hi. I was listening to your episode on Rendlesham Forest, and I wanted to share my woo. This is uh, more recent than I would have expected. <laughs> oh." We're going to climb our asses out of August soon. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> shit. Uh, wanted to share my somewhat personal experience with that incident. My dad was stationed at the RAF Bentwaters at the time, and as a U.S. Air Force security police officer, he was the desk sergeant on duty the night of the first sighting and took the initial calls about it. Oh, shit. Uh, he has tried to keep his name out of anything associated with the incident and never talked about it uh, until I asked him, having seen a show about it on the Sci-Fi Channel in the early 2000s. 
He does not believe that it was Sukolo Sound. Is such a thing even possible? Yes, it is. Aliens. However, he told me that he believed it was some kind of Soviet stealth aircraft. Hey, oh. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I hope you find the story interesting. Love the podcast and look forward to it every week. So do we. P.S. As a fellow transplant to Iowa, they're all coming to me. Every, or, maybe we should do a show in <laughs> Iowa. Yeah, no <laughs> shit. Uh, uh, like, well, welcome Stecco uh, to this awesome flyover state. Also, if you ever find yourself in, the De- in Des Moines, drop me an email. I'd love to hit a local watering hole. I would love that. Uh, my betrothed's family is just outside of Des Moines, so I'm in that area fairly often. So that'd be awesome. Thanks, Justin. Thank you, Justin. Heard from Picklefeet Pumpkinton the <laughs> Third. I I love the name. Just listened to a podcast uh, about the Rockford haunting. And it said that uh, paint blue is a paint color used to ward off evil spirits. The shade of blue seems to vary depending on what area you live in, ranging from dark to the palest of sky blues. Thinking about it, blue is a traditional color used in numerous cultures all across the world, from Moroccan tiling to Mediterranean homes. Makes me wonder how far back in history the paint can be traced. Yeah, the old haint uh, goes back a long ways, I bet, in, in different things. It's not, yeah. Called, it may be called Le Haint in Morocco. <laughs> <laughs> Loving the show. It reminds me of the Fats Waller song. I don't stay out late, don't care to go. I'm home about eight, me and my radio. Ain't misbehaving, <laughs> saving my love for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Flora went full Satchmo. <laughs> uh thank you pickle feet pumpkinton the third yeah i keep wanting to throw a g in pumpkinton but there's no g it's not pumpkinton it's pumpkinton all right what do you got dave round us out uh, here yeah uh r- closing out our listener mail we got one oh we got a zinger from zinger oh <laughs> uh i just wanted to take a minute to thank you guys for all you do I hey thank you, you. Hey, uh, thank you, man. <laughs> I first heard of you guys while listening to Expanded Perspectives. Nice. Cam and oh, Kyle. Oh, sorry. Uh, after that, I tried out your podcast, randomly picking the Roanoke Colony podcast. This was a great choice. I was laughing so hard at one point, I actually had to leave my workspace till I could stop laughing. Yes, it is our goal to put everyone's employment at risk. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, you guys also, also had Rumor Flies on, which I now listen to thanks to your podcast. Yep. Sweet. Yep. Good deal. Uh, thanks for all you do. Uh, and how about yeah. a superpower, Flora? I'll take it. You can prove the Earth is round to B.O.B., but after doing so, you have to become George Sukalos. Man. That is the ultimate price. And I would rather B.O.B. just does, does his thing rather than become the beast <laughs> with five hairstyles. <laughs> as as was warned, warned in, in Revelation. <laughs> right. Thank you, Zinger. Oh, yeah, so that is listener mail. Thank all of you. Yeah. yeah. And Ken. And thank you, Ken. Oh, thank you, guys. <laughs> tell us tell us everything you're doing and where to find you and what your credit card numbers are and stuff. Uh, right. Um, like I say, I'm writing a bunch of things. You can uh, follow my social media presence on Twitter, where I am at Kenneth Height, or on Facebook. And I will, I promise, I will tell you when my new stuff comes up for sale. Uh, <laughs> Perhaps relevant, since if uh, people remember back when we did the Dracula dossier episode, we talked about Dracula. My book, The Thrill of Dracula, is out now, which looks at uh, two lifetimes of the Dracula legend, uh, back to the novel, actually back to before the novel, and then all the way down to Dracula Untold, 
where uh, Dracula is just a sad man uh, <laughs> with a fist of bats. And why would he be sad? <laughs> just but it, it, it looks at all the ways forth. that uh, people have used the Dracula story and they turned it and played with it and gotten it wrong and messed with it so that you, the home consumer, can do the same. Nice. Uh, and also, obviously, listen to the podcast, Ken and Robin Talk About Stuff. Uh, back us on Patreon at Ken and Robin Talk About Stuff.com. You can find links to the Patreon there. And, uh, or you can just listen for free, like a big old freeloader. We love you anyway. <laughs> yeah. And we I'll love tell you more you, if you give us money. That just seems fair. I'm going to do you one better, too. I'm going to tell all of our listeners, like, listen, it's the holidays. Christmas is just around the corner. There's lots of reasons to spend money. But maybe you should withhold just a small percentage of your Christmas budget because maybe around January, February, Ken Height's going to have something worthwhile for you to put that yeah, money to. Maybe. 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 Maybe I'll come back and tell you all about it again. That's right. That's right. Just saying. Uh, there's Could nothing happen. I like more than some foreshadowing with three that, men. Well, that's what we got. <laughs> right. That's the devil's foreshadowing. And two podcasts. <laughs> three men, two podcasts. Where's the baby? Eh, whatever. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Oh, my God. Um, no, seriously. Where's the baby? It was just there. <laughs> Normally, no it just baby. entertains itself. <laughs> Chews on no wires baby. and such. Yeah, baby. Dave, how can they, uh, uh, after they're done uh, supporting Ken, how can they support us? After? No, before, my good man. Oh. Before. During. Take that. <laughs> yeah. Multi- two screens, people. Two screens. Yeah. Phone and laptop, people. Three Let's men. Go. Two screens. <laughs> two podcasts. Oh, man. Still no like baby. Us, <laughs> like us on Facebook. Uh, and don't forget We're to We're over give us f- a, 15 Hildos. Uh, Woo! Boom, boom, boom. Thanks, uh, everybody. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, don't forget, uh, yeah, we've crossed the 15 Hildo mark. Um, I mean, yeah, keep liking us on Facebook. And we've also, uh, give us a five-star review on iTunes. We love those. Uh, also, if you don't feel like hitting us up at patreon.com slash blurry photos for the regular feed, you can also uh, karate chop the donate button. Uh, but we actually have some really fun stuff coming up uh, for the Patreon backers. Uh, That's uh, right. We do an extra sode every month, um, and I believe uh, we've already made some lengthy announcement about what what we've got coming up there. What was the, we had another thing that was going to be cool, Flora? What was it? Last month's extra sode. The those who uh, were patrons in October are getting our rendition of the Raven by yes. Edgar Allan Poe. There you go. And uh, this month's we are going to do something. With Tommy, the liver-stealing little <laughs> jackass. That's right. A little bit more Tommy. And, uh, and I think, I think we, we, we're working out exactly how to make this work. But uh, one of the things we also do is we do a live cast every month for Patreon mm. backers. Uh, so if you guys just want to ask us questions directly, it works out. It's actually really fun. We have a great time with it. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think we're, we're kicking this around. So don't hold me to this just yet. But we're thinking that our drinking episode kickoff might be a two-hour live cast of us getting good and liquored up before we record. So uh, March drinking party. So that might be a ton of fun for people to join in on. Yep. Would probably be sometime in March. Yep. Yeah, approximately a week before the actual St. Patrick's Day so that we could have the episode drop appropriately, you know. Yeah, maybe the weekend. Drop like on its face in the gutter. <laughs> exactly. I've got to figure out when I am. Um, I, I'll, I'll be taking my honeymoon around then. Yeah. Um, so I got to figure that out. We got to we got to plan it. But the thing is, we're we're hoping that if you are a a patron 
of the Jack Slap level on Patreon, which is the $20 level for February. If you sign up during the month of February to do the the $20 level, then in March is when we're going to do the the live stream drinkathon. <laughs> yeah, you can watch us go from 0 to 60 and back to 0 again. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um we'll we'll tell you more about that as it as it yeah. uh, nears, but that's what we're kicking around. Yep. Also, uh, don't forget to check out the Chicago Podcast Cooperative. What a swell uh, bunch of fugitives from the law. And if you can find them and you can afford them, maybe you could let them entertain you. They've got a black van and they just improvise all sorts of amazing things. And they're free. And they're free. That's what's most important. So you can't afford them. You can't afford them. Get in the van. Get in the damn van. I think that's that's the Chicago Podcast Cooperative's new tagline. Sure. <laughs> that's that's really putting the Chicago in Chicago Podcast Cooperative. It sure as shit is. And uh, also, you know what? The holidays are coming up. You're going to be traveling around. You probably have to deal with family members you'd rather not. I mean, that's just part of the that's part of the package. So, wouldn't it be better to be like, I really gotta I gotta learn more about King Arthur. I'm so sorry, Aunt Beatrice. Uh, get yourself a free audiobook from Audible, uh, audibletrial.com slash blurry photos. You get a free audiobook, and that is like hours of I don't have to talk to or engage with, which could be val- invaluable to you. Uh, we get a monetary high five, and hey, if you don't like it, you can cancel. That's fine. It's not going to ruin my holiday spirit. My that's glow right. comes from within. You just try <laughs> to get to my glow. I dare you. I think that's it for us. I think the business is, I mean, obviously you can always go to our store if you want some merchandise. Yeah. And uh, if you're if you're international or want really random reference type level shirts, <laughs> then go to uh, blurryphotos.threadless.com. Get yeah. all kinds of stuff there. Ooh, Dave, I got we- lounge pants from there with our logo. You're wearing a pretty boss-ass shirt right now from Oh, there. yeah. I got a baseball tee with our logo. It's so soft, and Ken can confirm. <laughs> yeah, Ken touched it, everybody. And it was soft. <laughs> Sheila, Ken touched it. It was saying. very soft. I think maybe, yeah. It, yeah we've, so, yeah, do that. It's worthwhile. It. We might, we, we'll probably, we're always coming up with better uh, uh, and more ideas yeah. for, the, for the store. That's right. So... Uh, for this episode of Blurry Photos, I have been David Florgone. Nice. I have been Cold Ken Fusion Height. Nice. And I've been the two messant Dave Stecco. <laughs> <laughs> Bounch, <bow. laughs> oh, yeah. The heats are gone. Bon, no, no, no. Bon, no, no, no. Bon, no, no, no. Bon, no, no, no. Bye. Bye.